Thanks for tuning in to the Renew Life Church Lubbock podcast today. We hope this message encourages you as you allow God's word and his presence to change your life. How's everybody doing this morning? Was that not the best worship you've heard in a long time? Give our worship team a round of applause. Every now and then it's just better. Um, well, good morning, and uh, in case you uh, are new here, my name is Braden. Uh, I'm the senior pastor here at New Life Church, and I have been gone a while. I, uh, if you haven't been here, I actually introduced myself to one of our musicians. I was like, oh, are you new here? He's like, no, I've been here for several months. I was like, well, I haven't. So um, anyway, um, I left my keys in my pocket. How many hold my keys? I'll get frustrated by those keys. Um, yeah, my wife and I actually, believe it or not, have been on... Uh, an entirely too long sabbatical for the last couple of months and several months actually. Uh, I looked at my calendar. I haven't preached since last August, uh, which is almost incomprehensible having been in full-time ministry for, gosh, um, 25 years. And so 24, 25 years. And so uh, just a little bit about that in case you did miss the announcement of kind of what happened. We had a uh, first of all, I have overseers in my life who came to me, a f- um, like I said, several months ago and said, hey, I think it's time for you to take a break. Like, you, you, I don't think you realize how fast you've been going, how hard you've been going for a really long time. And at the time, I did not want to take a break. I was totally fine, wasn't burned out. And uh, if, you, if you were here, you heard me say this. But one of my personal overseers, he told me, he said, yeah, but you don't take your car to get the oil change once it starts smoking. It's too late. And so I uh, was thankful for that. It's kind of been something a lot of people were wondering, like, what was it like? And to be honest with you, I felt a little bit insecure answering that question because it wasn't, like, spectacular. Like, it didn't, I didn't have, like, an encounter with God where the Lord translated me into heaven and showed me all these things. It wasn't anything like that. Uh, to be honest with you, the first uh, several weeks, six or seven weeks, was just intense. Uh, honestly, working on me and Leanne, uh, we took some time, asked some friends of ours, some dear friends of ours for, gosh, they've been friends of ours for a long time. Uh, we said, hey, would y'all just counsel us together? And so we, we met every week with them together. I met once a week with him. Leanne met one, once a week with his wife. And uh, we just worked on us, and it was good. Um, sometimes you realize you've been spending so much time fixing the rest of the world's problems, uh, like I can do that, um, uh, that you just remember, forget to work on you every now and then. And so it was super good just to have nothing else to focus on. I turned off all emails. I had no access to anything that was going on. Didn't know if it, didn't even know if you still had a church in Lubbock, except for Keith told me there was one still here. So that's great. Glad you guys are still here. Um, we, w- we did. We shut it down. In fact, banning the, the guy that was, it was his idea that we take this sabbatical. Uh, after the first couple of Sundays, he called me and he said, hey, how's church going? I was like, I'm not there. You told me not to come. And he's like, oh, yeah, I definitely wouldn't have listened to me if I were you. And I'm like, what was the point of this anyway? You know? um, but anyway, it was, man, it was, it was really, really good. So it was really good for Leanne and I to spend some time just uh, reminding us, reminding ourselves how in love we really are uh, and that we don't just love each other. We actually like each other uh, most days. Um, anybody else most days? It's like, you know, come on, yeah. All the married people, the young married couples are like, well, I don't know what you're talking about. You will. Um, You'll learn. Um, and then another thing we did was just establish some healthy rhythms. I think taking that break made me realize that there, 
Uh, I was really good at staying busy, but sometimes staying busy isn't always the right thing to do. And I love to work. I love working hard and passionate about what I do, but reestablish some rhythms that I think will set us up for the long haul. Uh, That was really good. Some new rhythms in prayer and worship and protecting even just my own time with the Lord. And it has manifested big time for me personally. I can tell as I'm just walking into the grocery store or getting gas or in ch- wherever I'm at, I can just tell I'm doing a, a, a much better job of just carrying the love of God with me and not wanting to choke some people. Um, anybody ever go through a season where you just feel like everything's not working and every time you see somebody or, you know, or somebody reminds you of something, you're like, I just want to choke you right now. I don't know any other way to say that. I just kind of want to choke you. But uh, <laughs> so Somebody said, amen. You must have worked in ministry before. Um, <laughs> So uh, anyway, it's just, it's been good. It's been really, really good. Uh, the team here did a, an incredible job while we were gone, Keith and Natalie and the team here. Uh, obviously, uh, Cody and Stacy there at our uh, Midland campus. Um, it's, just, it's just pretty cool to see the, the type of leaders and the quality of leadership that the Lord has brought us. Uh, I, I don't think you've gone without with us being gone, uh, but we are really, really glad uh, to be back. The last thing that the Lord did, uh, and if I'm just being super honest, I... They, well, first of all, we had, gosh, I've got a life coach. I've got, we talked to overseers, uh, elders. I mean, we've got so, so many lines of, of, of authority and guardrails and boundaries and people helping us as we, as we build this church and, and try to lead well. Uh, one of the things they said is while you're on sabbatical, don't use four, don't take three or four months and build messages and prepare for the next year. Like shut it down, take off. And so uh, I, it's not like I've been preparing messages and, and getting ready. And so about December, when I started coming back into some meetings and we, we hashed out the preaching calendar for this, the first part of this year, and I, I kind of said to the Lord, like, you know, we're going to have to come up with something because <laughs> you hadn't told me anything to preach in a while. So it was kind of that weird getting back into the flow kind of thing. And so, uh, but he spoke. He's so faithful. He did. And um, today is going to be a little bit about that because at, about a few weeks ago, the Lord began to speak to me. Gave me some clarity about the next season for this church and also some correction for me and as well. Uh, so we're going to spend part of the day tattling on me, um, but we're going to get to you eventually. So just buckle your seatbelt. Uh, you're going to get some too. Uh, but I, I do want to read something that I found um, encouraging. It can sound harsh, um, but I think it's super encouraging. So if you got your Bibles, turn to Revelations chapter 2. Uh, that's where we're going to go today. Uh, while you're turning there, I do feel uh, compelled to tell you, in case you, how many of you guys are a, a part of our prayer, and 30 days of prayer and fasting, you got the, some of the stuff. We, we would definitely, if you didn't hear about it, we started a 30 days of prayer and fasting. I sent out a video. If you're on our mailing list, you got it. If you were in our first service of the year, you, get, you saw it. Um, but I just want to reiterate something because I don't want anything to get lost in translation. It is way more about prayer than it is fasting. It is way more about prayer. In fact, the vision the Lord gave me, it, it had everything to do with prayer. We added the fasting because I think it can be good to, um, again, to kind of suppress the flesh, put the flesh down so that the spirit can come up, so to speak. But uh, it is way more about prayer. So I really, really encourage you to take this season uh, and, and go into a different level of prayer. I think there's a unique opportunity for us to make Jesus king over areas of our life that maybe his kingship is not manifested yet. And so... Uh, if you're a part of that, I uh, definitely encourage you to, to stick with that. Um, but Revelation chapter 2, uh, before I get into this, what I want, one of the things I want to share with you um, is something super passionate to, uh, to me, or I'm super passionate about. Um, 
in Scripture, there are three sets or three lists of gifts in Scripture. You'll find Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians chapter 4. Now, what's unique about the fact that there are three different sets of gifts, and if you know much about this, you'll notice each list is different. Uh, well, they're different for a reason. There are three lists of gifts, just like there are three persons in the Godhead, because there are the Father gifts, that's Romans chapter 12. There are the Son gifts, the Jesus gifts, the ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter 4. And then there's the redemptive, or, I'm sorry, the manifestational gifts of the Holy Spirit, so Holy Spirit gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And every one of those are unique. Uh, the only thing I want to focus on today, because it helps me tell you the story of how the Lord brought me to Revelations chapter 2, is much like in the natural, our fathers are the ones that pass along our natural DNA to us. In the spirit realm, it's our heavenly father that passes along our spiritual DNA. You following? So in Romans chapter 12, you're going to find a list of seven gifts. Uh, let's see if I can remember them all off the top of my head. Um, prophet, mercy, ruler, servant, giver, exhorter, teacher. Uh, I got six, Leanne got one. Um, so th those are the seven. Uh, the first one listed is prophet. And um, I just so happen to be a redemptive gift prophet. But for clarity's sake, it's not the same anything like the spiritual gift of prophecy, which is something the Lord invites us all to be a part of. And it says, we all, I wish you all would prophesy. So it's something that's available to everyone. It's not that. It's also not the fivefold office of prophet, the ones that are seers, uh, if you're, if you came to church here in January hoping that I had a prophetic word from the Lord about the season, the season is it's still winter, wear a jacket. That's about where I'm at. And um, I'm not a prophet in that way. Um, and so, but the good news is, is that the scripture says, believe the prophets, so shall you. Oh, some of you read your Bible. Uh, so shall you prosper. I have prophets in my life. In fact, to be honest with you, I don't function well without prophets. I love having prophets around me, in and around me. The couple that walked Leanne and I through uh, just some counseling, um, the first part of our sabbatical, they, he, Pastor Joe, we call him Pastor Joe, he's Prophet Joe. He's been a prophet in our ministry, whether you ever meet him or not, he is regularly praying. In fact, I think he prays every single day for our church, and every now and then I'll get a random text message or a random uh, something, hey, need to talk, had a dream, I think it's about your church. And so I have prophets constantly leaning in to us, and they give direction. Leanne, super prophetic. Uh, sometimes it's, it's fun to wake up and hear what she dreamed because it's like, one, it's just going to be super entertaining sometimes, but the other times it's going to be super directional. And so I love having prophets. That's not what I am. I am a redemptive gift prophet. And um, what's interesting about this is there's seven of those gifts, and not to go into this too much, but um, there's seven redemptive gifts. And one of the things that you can do to discover more about how God made you is you can look at other things in Scripture that were done in sevens, like the seven days of creation, the seven articles of the tabernacle, even what we're going to do today, the, the seven letters to the churches in Revelations, and you can learn a lot about yourself. It will teach you things about yourself. It can help you know what your weaknesses are. It can help you know what your strengths are. And uh, that's what happened a couple of weeks ago. I felt the Lord speak to me to, and directed me to the book of Revelations, to the first letter to the first church, which is Ephesus, which goes along with my redemptive gift prophet. So let me just go ahead and read this to you, and then we're just going to dive right in. It says, to the angel of the church in Ephesus write, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Now, 
as we read later, you're going to realize maybe some more significance to that phrase, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. If you'll remember, if you've done any study about these, these letters, he's calling every one of these churches to repent for something. And he says, repent or I'll remove your lampstand. And I propose our willingness to stay um, not just friends of God, but as keeping him the Lord of our life and allowing us to be corrected and directed by him, one of the things it does is it keeps us holding our lampstand. And notice where he hangs out, in the lampstands, around the lampstands. So this desire we have to constantly live in the presence of God means we need to lean into not just his, his encouragement and direction, but also his correction. Verse two says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Now, if you are a redemptive gift prophet, I didn't do this in the first service, but I want you to just understand this, is, this can be, if you'll allow it, a, bi- a biography to your life. This will teach you things about you that maybe you didn't know. Notice what he says, I know your works, your labor, your patience. Redemp- redemptive gift prophets love to work hard. It's, it's natural in them. They love having something to do. They love, they love building something. They're not necessarily romantic, which you'll find out later. And, but, so it's not like they have this romantic interaction with God, but they love building the kingdom. They love doing things like that. And guess what? It's actually okay. Sometimes if you ever heard Christians and how the Lord talks to them, and it's like, yeah, the Lord just woke me up this morning with a kiss, and I'm like, I don't think he does that. Oh, yeah, I just, I just felt the wind of his presence, and I just knew his tenderness and kindness was just holding my bosom. And I'm like, I, that's... Have you ever heard Christians like that? They describe the relationship with God, and I'm like, that is so awkward. Like, it just feels so awkward. Uh, some of you in here I just offended. Um, but... <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not necessarily that, I, but I do love to work. I, lo- I do love to build things. I, I feel like there's some perseverance in me. So if, you're, if you are a redemptive gift prophet, learn, and even if you're not, watch what I'm doing here. I'm reading this scripture as if the Lord himself is speaking to me. That's why this is called the living word, written thousands of years ago, alive, just as alive today as it was then. It's the Holy Spirit speaking. So I was allowing him to speak to me, and I'm like, okay, yes, Lord, thank you. That's encouraging. But then we get to verse four, and this is the fun, spot, fun, fun stuff. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. I have to pay close attention to that. I have to make sure that I'm staying intimate with him. I love building for him, but every now and then we, I gotta remember, hey, we should just hang out sometime. Uh, anybody else have that problem where if, if you call somebody, it's because you need something done because you're just constantly getting something done? Anybody else? And your other friend's like, hey, you ever gonna call me just to see how I'm doing? I'm like, why would I do that? I'm sure you're fine. You know? I'm sure you're fine. Um, it's very telling. <laughs> I, nevertheless, I have this against you. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen. And this is what I felt like the Lord really highlighted to me. And this was very, very, this was very sharp and precise how he said this. He said, repent and do the first works. Repent and do the first works, or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. But this you have, that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. For, I actually did a study. I was actually reading some stuff that Rick Renner, if you've ever, anybody ever followed ever Rick, any Rick Renner stuff, Rick Renner is smarter than all of us in this room combined. He's just brilliant biblical theologian. So I was reading a, uh, a commentary that he did on the Nicolaitans. And, uh, he, you know, as it says, you hate the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. Uh, Nicholas was actually one of the men also chosen 
And when the apostles said, choose some men from among you, and they chose Stephen, and there was actually several others, uh, leaders, Nicholas was one of those. But the problem that Nicholas had is that as he went on and began to build a following, Nicholas was, uh, he lived very lukewarm. So he thought it was okay to have one foot in the church and one foot in the world. And so what, how does this interpret? Well, if, if he says to this church, um, I know that you hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans and you're also a redemptive gift prophet, you will despise people who are lukewarm. Leanne's told me before, she says, there's actually only two kinds of people you like, heathens and really strong Christians. And everybody in between, you don't even like them. And I was like, yeah, you're actually kind of rise. Like, if you don't know better, I have a lot of grace for you. If you do, you better be doing it because I'm not going to like you if you don't. Uh, it's, it's, it's kind of this hard line, you know, thing. And it's interesting. So sometimes when the enemy, again, sometimes the enemy wants to use your strengths against you. So he wants to constantly make you think you're being judgmental. Well, don't be judgmental. That's something I got to work on. But the other thing is God made me to despise the middle ground. Are you in or are you out? There's another scripture about lukewarm. He says he spits the lukewarm out of his mouth. So he hates it too. But if you understand how scripture works and how your redemptive gift works and how your spiritual DNA works, this can be very encouraging. Verse seven, he who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of garden. Now, we'll make it personal for a second because, this, again, he spoke this to me. I have an opportunity here to, to grow. I, I have an opportunity to have the Lord direct me to a passage of Scripture that he knows that I know that this is the church that um, aligns a lot with my, my, my personality, how he made me. I can allow it to be both encouraging and correcting if, I, if I'll allow it to be. But the thing I want to get to today, and I, what I felt like the Lord say to me about this, and, and you'll see where this is going later, I can only be corrected by this scripture, or, or let me just say it differently. A big part of how I hear this passage of scripture is going to depend on how, how hidden I am, how clothed I am, and where I'm seated. Now, some of you Bible nerds already know where I'm going with this. How hidden how clothed, and where I'm seated. I want you to think of those three. We're going to leave today, and you're going to know what I'm talking about. Hidden, clothed, and seated. Ephesians chapter four, verse, I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter two, verse four says this. Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. But it's by his grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ. Now check it out. And he did what? He seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Colossians 3.3, 3, for you died and your life is what? Hidden in Christ. Galatians 3.27, for all of you who are baptized into Christ have what? Clothed yourself with Christ. Um, I've noticed that based on how hidden I am, how clothed I am, and how aware of how I'm, how aware I am of where I'm seated in heavenly places, it will change the tone of voice in which I read scriptures. You guys know what I'm talking about. If, if you have kids or if you ever were a kid, you understand this concept when, as it pertains to parenting. Sometimes your parents ask you to do something, and then sometimes they say it differently, and you're certain they're going to kill you. Anybody else? They, they say it once, but then all of a sudden the tone in their voice is different. And you realize, oh, yeah, they've told me to do this four times and I haven't done it yet. Um, and then also based on just 
what kind of parent you had. If you had good parents, kind parents, stern parents, what, you know, whatever. And again, I'm not here to do a, an inner healing service, but uh, the point is, is based on how hidden, clothed, and aware I am of where I'm seated, I will read scriptures and it will have a tone of voice. Let me tell you what I'm talking about here. So, Lord said this to me, not you. Lord said to me, hey, I want you to go read Revelations chapter two. I want you to get a, do a checkup again on Ephesus. And he says to me, and I read this, and I know the Lord's speaking to me. And he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You've left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you're fallen. Repent and do your first works, or else I'm gonna come quickly and remove your, remove your lampstand. There's two ways I can hear this. I can hear, let me tell you something. You better get your butt back to your first love. Anybody y'all just start there sometimes with your kids and you have to repent? You just start zero to witchcraft? I mean, it's like. <laughs> it, it's with, and and if, if I don't, again, depending on where I'm, how hidden I am, how clothed I am and where I'm seated, that scripture has a tone to me. How I perceive God, how I perceive the love of God, how I perceive God feels about me, what I think he thinks about me creates a tone to those scriptures. But if I'm clothed, if I'm hidden, if I'm seated in heavenly places where, I'm, where I actually am in the spirit realm, I'll hear these words and he'll be like, yo, bro, hey, you need to get back to that. Remember how good that stuff was back in the day when we were doing this? Man, come on. I'll hear it differently. I'll hear it differently. I remember there, there, was, there were times in my life where I never, I never heard the word, I never heard the Lord softly. I never heard the Lord softly. How many of you guys re, have gone through seasons in your life? I think I busted my lip, biting it while ago. Uh, I, how many of you guys have gone through seasons in your life where when you heard the Lord, or maybe how you were raised in like a really, uh, you got a Kleenex, give me that Kleenex. Um, maybe you were raised in a, in, a, in a culture where everything God did was aggressive. Every, everything God did was aggressive. And I, I'm, I'm gonna kind of reverse, reverse engineer this because when I, when I heard the Lord say that to me in Revelations chapter two, I, I don't think, when he said, you've left your first love, I'm aware of the fact that I did not leave, I have not walked away from God. I, didn't, I haven't walked away from him I haven't left that. Obviously, there's always an invitation to be um, more intimate with him and have more of that intimacy. But I knew that's not what he was saying. He was saying return to your first works. And uh, when we started this church, not this church, but the, the, the Renew Life Church in Midland, um, almost 10 years ago now, that church was built on the revelation of the grace of God, the goodness of God, the kindness of God. And although I had been a Christian my whole life, um, you'd think I would have heard more about this, known more about this, but for whatever reason, I didn't. And I actually had an encounter with the Lord about 12 or 13 years ago now. I had an encounter with the Lord where the Lord came and it was this bizarre encounter where I was praying. I ended up feeling, I felt something in the atmosphere. I knew something was different in that day. I ended up laying down on the stage. Well, what I actually said out loud, I knew something was going on in the room. I'd come early to church one morning. I was praying over all the chairs and um, I knew something was, it was eerily quiet, and I knew something was in the room. And I, it, it's like, 
You know how it says that when the angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds uh, in the field to tell them about Jesus, it says they were afraid. It, well, there's nothing to be afraid of. You're not supposed to be afraid of angels, but there's that awe of like, I'm clearly aware that I'm in the presence of something significant. And that's what it was like. I was walking in the, in the out here when no one was in there. I was very early in the morning. I was praying over all the chairs and I was eerily aware of something's here. Something other than me is here. And so I, I said out loud, like, like I'm talking to you, I was like, Lord, I don't know what this is, but I'm just gonna lay down. And as I said those words, I remember the stage was like this. I was kind of right in this region on the floor walking around and I finally stopped right in that region. And I was like, Lord, I don't know what this is. I'm just gonna lay down. And I heard a voice like behind me. I was facing this direction and I heard a voice behind me say, well, I'll just lay down with you then. And of course, as soon as I heard that, I mean, just the hair on the back of my neck stood up. I'm like, well, somebody's here. I don't know who it is, but something's here. And so I remember I came up on stage and I laid down because I'd been doing some stuff, just laying before the Lord and praising and worshiping. When I did that, it's like, my, it's like I left my body and I could see my, my body and then I saw what I now know to be the gown of Jesus and his feet. He stepped over me and then he laid, that, he laid down beside my body and then right when that happened, I went right back into my body. And again, I don't know how long the, the encounter lasted. I think it was 15, 20 minutes-ish. But in that 15 to 20 minutes, uh, my life was just flipped upside down. I did not have a, a theology of encounter. I had not been asking for an encounter. or That was not my life. Um, but, and I won't go into the in detail there, but that triggered something. And I, began, I, had, I felt something in that moment. I felt the tenderness. I felt, the, I felt kindness. I felt softness. I felt gentleness. I felt the love of God like I have never felt it or even knew it existed before. And um, fast forward after that, the Lord directed me to begin to, to, begin to pursue uh, and, and learn about the grace of God and the revelation of the grace of God, the love of God and the finished work of the cross. And there was a guy by the name of uh, Joseph Prince. Some of you may have heard of him. And at the time, he, and he's still teaching on this. In fact, I've been digging all my Joseph Prince stuff back out, rereading some of the books. Actually, I'm in the middle of one of the ones that changed my life forever right now again. Um, and I began to dig into that because what, what happened was happening in my life is the Lord was redefining how I heard him, how I saw him, and how I thought he saw me. He was redefining everything. He was actually showing me what it was like to be hidden in Christ. He was showing me what it was like to be clothed with him. He was showing me what it was like to be seated in heavenly places with him. Easy answers. Is Jesus on earth or is he in, where is Jesus today? Is he still on earth or is he where? He's in heaven. Where? According to scripture, he's seated where? At the right hand of the Father. Well, scripture says he's seated at the right hand of the Father forever making intercession on our behalf, which means he's always going to be the go-between between between us and our heavenly Father. Well, the other part is he's seated at the right hand. According to scripture, the right hand was the hand of favor. So when God tells us that we are seated with Christ in heavenly places, what that means is our spiritual being is seated right next to Jesus in the same position with God as Jesus is, in the same position of favor as as Jesus is. Let me say this uh, another way. Because of where we're seated, God feels the same about you as he does about Jesus. Baffling. God is... 
when you, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, instantly be, God became, the, your father, your heavenly father became just as proud of you as he is of Jesus. He wants to be just as kind towards you as he is towards Jesus. That's what he means when he says we're seated with him. What, what is, the, what is the, uh, the Lord's prayer? When Jesus taught the disciples how to pray, what did he tell them to do? He was teaching them to live from heavenly realities. He said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What was he saying? Don't, don't, don't think earth to heaven. Bring heaven to earth. Part of our journey is however we are in heaven, according to scripture, which is seated at the right hand of the Father with Jesus, we have to learn to live on earth like we're seated in heaven. We have to learn to live on earth with the awareness of how Jesus, I'm sorry, how God feels about it. Our Heavenly Father feels about us on earth. When you do that, and I went through a season, that's actually how this church was, was born, is the fact that the, the, the Lord was doing all this in me and I was seeing this stuff and I went to my pastor and I was telling me everything was going on. He said, hey, you, I think you need to start your own church. I think that's what you need to do. And the, for two and a half years, every time I went to the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to preach? He said, I want you to preach Jesus, I want you to preach grace, and I want you to preach the finished work of the cross. Every week. And I remember week after week after week, I would just get up here and tell people who they were in Christ Jesus. I would talk about the righteousness of God. I would talk about being seated in heavenly places. I would talk about being clothed with him. I would talk about these things. And I remember telling Leanne, or I would ask Leanne, time after time after time again, I'd be like, Surely this is getting old. Like, surely, that, like, I, I feel like I'm saying the same thing over and over and over again. And she says, I'm going to be honest with you. It feels new every week to me. And all of a sudden, the church began to grow, and that was what was happening in our church. And um, I, I don't know, I don't know why you showed up at this church. Let me, let me, let me take a different direction for just a second. Um, People show up to a church for tons of different reasons. People come to church because, you know, they, well, it's a church that their family's always gone to. People come to church because a friend invites them to church. Like, um, I don't know why you're here. What I do know is when we first moved here, um, we had a bit of a reputation and uh, we had some connections with other churches, Bethel Church being the main one. Uh, we have some relationship there. there we, we were working on some things with Bethel Church about potentially even being a Bethel hub. I don't think I've, I don't know if I've ever even said that publicly, but uh, I know they were saying it in their school of ministry. So I had a, someone text me one day and say, hey, they're talking about you in the Bethel School of Ministry. I'm like, why? And I, he sent me a picture and there was my face, me and Leanne's face up there on the screen. It's like, we have a hub in Midland or Lubbock, Texas. And I'm like, when did that happen? You know? Uh, but that, that, honest to God, those were conversations. At the time, Eric Johnson was the senior pastor there. I'd had, I'd had conversations with Eric about some things that were on my heart. Uh, Bethel had been super um, important to us, still is very important to us in terms of who, who, who we're fed by, so on and so forth. And so for a season, um, there was talk about like, what if, we, what if we were a Bethel church? What if we merged with Bethel and when we moved to Lubbock and all these things? And so there was a lot of stuff floating around there. Another thing that was floating around is there's, there's, there's revival coming to Lubbock. And, and Renew Life Church is where the revival is happening. And and I'm like, and, and if I just got to be really honest with you, for the first five years of our church, I never even said the word revival. I, it was not even something that we talked about. We didn't talk about revival. It wasn't language that we had. Now, 
if you, if you have that language, I know a lot of us talk about it now. Um, so I, it's, not a, it's not a ding against the work. What I'm telling you is the, the facts of how things were happening at our church at the time. What happened was is for I had an encounter with God. He showed me something about my identity in Christ and the depths and how you can never exhaust the fullness of what it means to be hidden in Christ, to clothe with Christ, and seated with him in heavenly places. And then he told, when I, we started the church, he said, build a foundation of that. And so for two and a half years, that's all we talked about. That's all we, we, we were building up foundation. The church was growing. We were building the revelation. We were growing in the revelation of who, who we were in Christ. We were, we were learning and get, uh, growing in our true identity. Then, two and a half years into it, the Lord directed me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And 1 Corinthians 12, 28, it said, and God gave, set these gifts in the church, some apostles, some prophets. I'm sorry, he says, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles and healing. And those are the next two things he said. Well, being an architect in my mind in a lot of ways, I was like, okay, well, if, if this is how the Lord says he's going to build the church, apostles, prophet, teachers, miracles and healing. I knew the first part were fivefold office, so those were actual people and revelations of people. But the second part were manifestations of the Holy Spirit, miracle and healing. And I'm like, we don't even, we don't even talk about miracles and healing in our church. We, didn't, that, we were not a church that talked about that. We weren't going after revival. We weren't going after heat. We weren't going after those things. But I believe the Bible. <laughs> and when I saw that for the first time, I was like, we have to do that because that's what the Bible says to do. We have to go, if this is what he wants in his church and we're supposed to be pastoring and leading a church, we have to go after that. So we did. And what began to happen was uh, I'll, I'll never forget the first Sunday that we did it. Uh, and I know this message is kind of taking a whole different direction than the first one, but um, I'll never forget the first Sunday that we did it. I was like, all right, Lord, I don't know how to do this. Like, I don't know, like, how do you go after miracles and healing? Like, how do you do that? And uh, the only person I knew at the time that was doing that, you know, he had his little white jacket and he swung it around and there's some gifts out there about him. And, I was like, I'm not that dude, you know? And um, so I didn't really know. And I, and I remember telling the Lord very honestly, I was like, I don't know how to do this. And he gave me another scripture in, in Psalms. It says, blessed is the man whose heart is set on a pilgrimage. And the Lord said that to me. He said, you just set out on a journey and I'll bless it. And I was like, all right. And so I went to our team and I said, I don't know exactly how to do this, but it's what's in scripture. It's what the Lord's telling us to do. We have to go after this. And I said, I wanna see the presence of God come. I wanna see the power of God come. And so we're gonna worship till God shows up and then we're gonna give him a chance to do whatever he wants to do. And if that takes up the whole service, that's what we're gonna do. And, uh, the, and I remember there was, there was, I had an associate pastor at the time, his name was Josh. And so I, I said, okay, here's how we're gonna do this. There was, this, our staff was super small at the time too. So Leanne was over worship, Josh was the associate pastor and I was the senior teaching pastor. And I was like, here's what we're gonna do. Leanne, you worship until God shows up. When he shows up, you stay worshiping until, he's, until it's over. And then after that, hand it off to Josh. Josh, prophesy, lay hands on the sick. I just wanna see God show up. Whatever that means, that's what we're gonna do. And if there's time left for me to preach, I'll preach. And I said, I care too much about our, first of all, I wanna have a children's ministry and children's ministry built on volunteers. And if we go for four hours, they're going to quit. So we are still going to keep, somebody said, amen, you know. Uh, 
so I, I have such a value for our kids. I'm like, we're not gonna do this, you know, be here forever thing. I said, but, which who knows if that was even right. That's what I did. But I said, here's what we're gonna do. And I said, we're gonna go an hour and a half. So after an hour and a half, whatever happens in that hour and a half, I'll go last and clean up. Well, the very first message, I had seven minutes left. When it was all said and done, we had seven minutes left. And I just remember thinking, God, either, either we finally got it right or we just destroyed this thing. That's actually what I thought. And, I'm, and, and he, just forgive me. I, I, I even said, let's just start this in the summer. Nobody really comes in the summer anyway. And back in August, when they come back to school, if it doesn't work, we'll just go back to what we were doing before. And so it was in the summer. We did it in the summer, and all of a sudden, things began to happen in our, in our church, and the church began to grow faster than it was. It grew faster than it was growing when I thought we were doing it a certain way and had it all under control. When we just handed over the reins. It was really incredible what happened. Um, we started seeing things. We literally, I didn't, I mean, honest to God, this is no exaggeration. I don't know how many years of services we had. I don't remember a service where a miracle didn't happen in the middle of service, where someone didn't get healed in the middle of service, where something didn't happen right there in front of everyone. Um, You've heard me tell the story about the guy who was just there. He didn't even work for our church or go to our church. We hired some guy to film B-roll footage of our church service from a creative company. And uh, while he was there filming on the front row, the Lord gave me a word of knowledge about TMJ. And Leanne was over the creative arts department at the time. And uh, after the service, uh, I can say his name now because we're friends, but his name was Ron. And I walked up to Leanne after the service. She goes, well, Ron's freaking out. And I said, well, I figured because in the middle of service, I had a word for TMJ. And he had his camera. And I said, someone's got a pain. It's right here. And the Lord wants to heal it right now. And he just kind of put his camera down and he went. And I was like, all right, well, let's pray for you. And so we prayed for him. And I didn't, you know, I didn't know how it went. And so after the service, go up to Leanne. She goes, well, Ron's freaking out. And I was like, of course, I got a word of knowledge for the new camera guy that doesn't even go to our church. And she goes, no, he's freaking out because he was healed on the spot. And so he, he walked up to, she said, he walked up to me after service. He's like, totally healed. And I am freaking out. I was like, how'd you know you was freaking out? And she goes, he kept saying, I'm freaking out. Like, <laughs> I'm telling this story because things began to happen in our church that many would call revival. But it didn't happen because we were going after revival. It happened because we found out who we were in Christ. And from the position of who we were in Christ, we were willing to believe God was who he said he was and that he would do what he said he would do. And I'm just concerned. Well, I'm not just concerned. The Lord told me, you've, you've stopped making me the main thing. And I, I think I'm, I want you to go back and I'm trying to say this tenderly, but I'm not saying we, you know, we messed up and we planted this church. I'm, I'm not saying that. What I am saying is we spent years developing and making sure that we had a church in Midland that knew who they were in Christ. And from that position, powerful faith-filled prayers were prayed. Audacious faith was released and revival actually happened. And I'm a, what I'm concerned about and what I think the Lord is saying, he's like, hey, go back and do it the way you did there. Let's don't go after revival. Let's, let's find out who we are. And then from that position of who we are, let's just believe God's gonna do what he said he's gonna do. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. 
And I just propose to you that from that position, and I, I, I've, this service is nothing like the first service. So I really do, I don't know how we're gonna do the, are we still doing podcasts? I've been gone a bit. Um, uh, <laughs> we, may have, we may just have to put out both because the first one was, the first service was very different, but they both, the heartbeat behind both services is the same. It is, it is not just my heart. I'm not just telling what I want to see happen. I'm telling you what the Lord said to me. He said, hey, go back to your first stuff or I'm gonna remove the lampstand. I didn't get in shame over it. I didn't throw my sucker in the dirt and pout because he got onto me. My response was, yes, sir. Let's, let's do that. And um, there, you, will, you will see this, this will be the theme until further notice. Um, and just in case you're just like, man, I, my, my identity is in Christ. I, well, you might want to take the next few months off. And I guess you, or maybe you should preach. But uh, I'm just telling you, you, you can't exaggerate this enough. You, you, you can't do this enough. I just remember in that season when I, I just, I would just look at him. I would look at Jesus in Scripture and every time I would read him, I could feel love coming to me. It was the most bizarre thing. It was this transition where I was like, I was studying, I thought I was studying Jesus' grace and the finished work of the cross. But every time I went there, I found myself in the floor crying because I had felt the love of God for the first time in my life. But then another weird thing happened. Since I knew what it felt like, I knew how to treat people. <laughs> you have to have the love of God before you can give the love of God. And you're not getting the love of God until you know Jesus. What did Jesus say? If you have seen me, you have seen him. So to, to know the love of our Father, we have to look on Jesus. We have to look at him. We have to see him. We have to allow him to teach us, show us our true heavenly identity. And the craziest thing happens when you know who you are. Shame, guilt, condemnation does not restrict you from praying crazy prayers and going after crazy things. And it's from that place of faith, if you, if you have a heart for revival, a heart for revival, that's where it's born out of, knowing who you are, which means you know what you have permission to ask for. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you'd like to join us in person for church, Renew Life meets every Sunday morning at the YWCA at 6501 University Avenue in Lubbock, Texas. For more information on our ministry, check out renewlifechurch.com or find us on social media. We hope to see you soon.